G'day everyone, welcome to Mark and Car's Porsche Talk, the podcast where we talk about all things Porsche. If you love air-cooled, water-cooled, rear engine, front engine, or even mid-engine, there'll be something here for you. But most importantly, we'll talk about the people who are passionate about our favorite brand. I'm your host, Mark Sheriff from the YouTube channel, Mark and Cars. Thanks for taking the time to support this channel and feel free to share any input, suggestions, and ideas through comments, reviews, or even boring old email. You'll find me on most social media platforms as Mark and Cars. Quickly before we get into it today, special thank you to channel sponsors, Bowden's Own, Australian-made premium car care products. I use them, love them, and you will too. Available at most auto stores here in Australia or online. Just Google Bowden's Own. Also, Rec Watches, Rec are a Danish watch company that design and manufacture watches with an automotive theme. If you're a car nut, there's a good chance they make a watch using parts from your favorite brand. I wear one made from recycled 911 parts. I love it. They use world-class parts and movements to make the ultimate auto enthusiast watch. Check them out at recwatches.com. Anyway, today's special guest is Scott from Outlaw Garage. Scott, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Mark. Nice to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. We've had quite a bit of communication back and forth over the last couple, two or three years uh, through social media platforms, that type of thing. Yes, definitely. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, look, firstly, big fan, loving the content. I'm really, it is a joy to see the uh, video content you're pumping out these days. And I don't know how you do a grown-up's job with uh, what you're putting out there with on your YouTube channel, with your Instagram posts and all that sort of stuff, but I appreciate it. It's a bit of a mix. Um, and I, I think I just tend to focus on turning up to places that I enjoy, try and crank out and churn a video at the same time and then spit it out as quickly as possible. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Look, I'm As sure. dramatic as that seems. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that you enjoy just meeting the people who you get to and the enthusiasts who own the cars that you get to touch and feel and admire. Yeah, that, that's the main thing. And, and to be honest with you, th- there's a few people that – um, that I do videos with the, the first time I've met them. Yep. And then there's a fair chunk of people which either we've been out on drives and done a lot of stuff and then um, we end up doing a video as well. So it is a bit of a mix, but it's um, good fun and um, either the videos are a bit more car-specific with a review of that type of car or, um, <laughs> well, they can be a bit of a mix of me breaking down somewhere as well. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, that has been many of those. It is a consistent theme. There's no doubt yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's you tampering with your cars after you've paid someone who knows what they're doing touching them or if you just haven't found the right people yet. Or no, just- there's, there's been a bit of, um, to be honest with you, it's a bit of every now and again we've bought a bit of a lemon. Yeah, um, okay, right. uh, I think um, the the Volkswagen bread van that we've got, you know, it, it must have it must have literally done 20 minutes worth of driving before it needed a new engine. And it wasn't very long after that before it needed a new gearbox as well. Um, So there have been a few lemons and I guess um, with being overseas for a little while and kind of wandering around a few cars kind of get parked for a little bit. And the Atlas 56 is one of those. Mm -hmm. So um, it probably only did uh, one used to take it out and about a fair bit. But um, probably did a thousand kilometers in about five years, which, to be honest with you, isn't um, you know a car needs a good break in after that. And look, regardless, even if look, my car does get driven semi regularly, my three five six, and it doesn't like me if I don't start it up weekly. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. they just run better if you use them. And especially you know, now, like when I've done, you know, when I might bang five hundred kilometers or a thousand kilometers away on a weekend and it was only used to doing that in five years yeah there's just a few little bits that um they sound quite dramatic at the time but and they may stop you and you require then a tow truck but they're not big fixes so it's just it is just a bit of a breaking in and um, running in process again with some of and look just for the listeners we're talking about your outlaw 356 project that you built over a period of time. 
here in Perth, I understand most of, a lot of the work was done. I, I actually bought a car in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, through um, Greg, who's a bit of a local celebrity here in Melbourne when it comes to three five sixes. I don't I don't think there are many three five sixes floating around Melbourne which Greg hasn't sold or owned at some point. I'd say that's nationally, not just in Melbourne. Yeah, Greg yeah. is a uh, an Australian icon with a always with his bottle of Coke and his cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. bless him. Um, so um, I bought it off him. I must have had it nearly nine years now. Um, oh, okay. And uh, it didn't come with an engine. Uh, the gearbox, someone had kind of pulled it apart in the gearbox. They'd done like a half left-hand drive to right-hand drive conversion. So it was it was originally a US car. Um, Is it a T5 or a T6? T5. Yeah, Okay. Same as mine, yep. Yeah. Um, the interior was kind of ratty and they'd kind of half stripped the paint on probably the rear quarter and then that was about it. Sure. Um, so, so you definitely it, bought a project knowing you had a big oh, job yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I, oh, I, I was actually looking for um, a driver's car originally. However, um Bumping into Greg and then trying a couple of three five sixes around, I was like, no, I'd rather build my own. Yeah, fair enough. You know, so and I think you know a lot of the the teething issues that are becoming quite evident in these drives you're doing now. You're back in Melbourne with that car, yeah, are essentially because that project never really got shaken out and developed properly through after completion, did it? It's right right now you're still doing that part of that project. It looks like. And, and look, when we did shake it down, we probably didn't do the right process as well because um, uh, it went round the, the racetrack at Vala um, on running in oil, which probably wasn't the best thing to do. Sure, but I'd sure. flown in from Qatar. I, I was only literally here in Australia for like two, three days with the car, and I was like, well, I'm probably not going to see it for a few years. If it needs a bit of a repair afterwards, then we'll figure it out then. So I was like, well, bugger it. Let's take it out on track. Yeah, good one, good one. Oh, and wow. um, so just while we're talking about your cars, you mentioned earlier the bread van. For, look, I'm sure any listeners of this podcast or viewers of the video version of this podcast will be conscious of who you are, but the few internationals who listen to the podcast, tell us just about Outlaw Garage. What What is it? What is it what's behind it? What vehicles you have? What have you done? Yeah. So it's, a, it's a business run by myself and my uh, partner in, in Perth, Wayne. I was about to say he's 50-50, but really Wayne's the majority of the either the brains or the sensible part of the sure. operation behind it. Um, the garage was really formed by the fact of we bought a few cars and storage was costing a fortune. Sure. So, you know, you're paying in Australia $200, $250 um, storage per month per car. Um, Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. And I don't know what it's like in Perth at the moment, but you you can pay a mortgage on on a warehouse for $900 a month and you can fit as many cars in there as you like. So that that became the most sensible option. And at the time, I probably had a lot more Volkswagens than uh, Porsches. So I had the, the Outlaw 356, but I had a few old split screens floating around, um, an oval Beetle, um, and a collection of pro- probably air-cooled cars. But then I, I guess the, the problem is then you get space. So you need to fill it. So cars breed and then you collect another portion of cars in there. So we've had old minis in there. Um, There was a a 924 that we've recently uh, moved on, an old Tempo Matador. um, Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right-hand drive one, it's... um, uh, She's a little bit rusty. Like if you walk past her, you're going to want a tetanus shot. Yeah, like okay. she is uh, rusty. She used to be in um, Fremantle in an old brickyard. I think they okay. used to run a fair few of them in there. So the plan is to get that restored. Just recently taken the cab off the chassis, which because they're a cab over engine. Okay. Over, uh, over probably a 25, 36 horsepower Volkswagen engine. Sure, like they're, sure. they weren't very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you once you take the cab off, there's not a lot left underneath it's just running gear and an engine particularly if it's rusty 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's really rusty. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and then we've got a couple of got a nineteen fifty two split screen Beetle that's got a thirty six horsepower and a little Judson supercharger on it. Yeah. And then an oval Beetle which has got uh, I think it's a either it's either a twenty one cc or a, a two point two cc motor. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, with a turbo on it and nice. and it's wired for a NOS kit. And it's got a uh, NOS bottle with it, which I don't know why you would ever need that, um, but that that's what it's got. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. Um, it, what colour is that one? It's that's matte black, but it is. Of course, uh, it is. Yeah, it's um, it's a it, it is a safety hazard. It doesn't have a license and rego. Um, it'd be very lucky to for get for good it. reason. By yeah, the sense of it. yeah, yeah. It's a death trap. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's no airbags, no power steering. It's on a narrow beam. It's got really skinny front tires. So if you wanted to turn, like you, you may as well just get in the coffin yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, and um and then we've got um a couple of nine elevens as well. So I've got a okay. 78 uh, 911 SC Tog. It's a left-hand drive car because we're obviously in the Middle East, Dubai for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a rest of the world car, yes. so it's not a, a US emissions restricted car. And then, uh, bless her, we've got a 1985 rest of the world Porsche 930. Oh, lovely! So that that one's been fairly prevalent on your YouTube channel prior to migrating back to Australia. Yeah, that that one, I guess. Um, uh, as we picked that one up, we shipped the Targa back to Australia. So that's a triple white car. So really, um, white wheels, white car has um, a black hoop, but it has the white dials, and then it's got like a black and white interior on the inside as well. How Miami Vice is this car? Yeah, absolutely. It feels like you want to be wandering around in one of those linen suits. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, look, and if you don't have one, you need to get one if you're going to drive that car around. But the 930, like we've done a lot of driving in that. Like that, um, it's had a reseal. Um, it isn't particularly a stock car. So sure. I, it's only got, when I got it, it about, had about 30,000 miles on it. Okay. And I think I've probably banged on about another 15 on top of that. Where, where did that car come from? Um, originally a US, originally it was in Germany for the first year of its life. Sure. Then it went to South Carolina. Oh, okay. I think what happened there is that it traded hands a little bit. And to be fair, probably the first 30,000 kilometres were probably done on track because right, it okay. had... Um, Cams were upgraded to 964 cams, and the turbo was upgraded to the K27, so it's the bigger turbo. Yes, okay. And at one stage, it had had drilled in the the little holder in front of the shifter. It had a manual uh, boost gauge adjuster. Okay. At some stage, somebody had had some real fun in that. Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, but she's a, a beautiful car, whisk gold, so a white gold colour. Um, paint on the rear could probably do with a little bit of a touch up. I think there's probably, um, it might have had a bit of a bang on the wing at some point. Somebody's yeah, yeah. in the rear. Well, when the but, back end uh, lets go on a 930, it, it's hard to bring back. Um, in my experience, it's pretty impossible. Yeah. Um, so um, I've been backwards in it before, screaming away. And um, I don't think. I think people say, like, if you just lift off the accelerator a little bit on a 930, it's unforgiving. However, I only remember thinking about lifting off the accelerator. I actually don't remember doing it. And then the next thing, the wheels are screeching and I'm going backwards. Thankfully, it was on track, so it was pretty safe, but it was still a bit of a... Yeah. Still a bit of a shock when you're pointing. A sphincter-clenching moment by the sounds of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Really good fun, though. Yeah, look, and let's face it, it's the only reason you buy a 930. Just tell me, with just through my naivety, 84, you said 930, was that right? 85. 85, slightly modified. What sort of power does a car of that era put out? Well, originally there were meant to be 295 horsepower. Sure, sure. I think 
Um, because this one has got a, you know, it'll some of its horses will get a little bit old over the years. So she won't be two ninety five. But I think with the with the modifications, you might, what's the three hundred at the wheels type car? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. And it's got a um, so the CDI on it went at some point. I think the coil had got the coil had sucked in some moisture from the sure. air in Dubai, um, and the coil just didn't blow it. It actually blew the CDI off as well. Dan, just if I can backpedal there a sec, did you say the moisture in the air in Dubai? Is that like that one day of the year that it has any? <laughs> Uh, it gets really humid. Oh, it does it? Okay. I've, yeah. I've only ever been there where it's just nice. like sucking the, the moisture yeah. out of your body, you know? Because you're so close to the ocean, like it sucks in that. Um, yeah, okay. Sure, sure. So in the day, it can be reasonably good. And then at night, like at six o'clock when the sun starts. Swamp, is it? Oh, God, it's horrible. Yeah. And um, I should have probably been a little bit more careful driving it. And uh, the humidity must have got in the coil. It blew the CDI up. I'd sent the CDI off to get repaired. But um, I actually probably, in fact, surprisingly, that's the original CDI. Because, of course, uh, you'd put that in your luggage to bring back yeah, to Australia. Yeah, yeah. And inside, I can't. Uh, this one's actually screwed together. But all the electronics, it's not circuit boards anymore. It's all. Um, it was all wax. And um, sure. I sent it off for repair. They just took so long that I ended up buying one of those from the Classic Retrofit. Okay. So they're a tunable, dual spark. Sure. You know, you can you yeah. get a little bit of extra horsepower out of that. Oh, so with, without a doubt you would, yeah, the sure. CDI cams and the uh, extra turbo, she's probably about 300. So she's good fun. Yeah. it's uh, and, and, like, the 300 comes on like a light switch, no doubt. Um, at, at that 3.8. Yeah, uh, she is a roaring fest. Car of its generation. That's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You're poster cop. Mm-hmm. Yep, perfect. And um, listening to the, um, you know, watching and listening to your previous videos and um, and your posts, I see you did a video on an RWB car not so long ago. Yeah, so... Uh, and I couldn't help but notice a little glint in your eye looking at those big fat guards. Yeah, they, so uh, I've been tempted by the RWBs from... Uh, there's a couple of really nice ones in Dubai. So the the Emirates RWB guys, they've got... There's a red one, but re- regularly you see there's a blue and a green one floating around by um, a couple of the local lads. Lovely lads and lovely cars. And in fact, the blue one is fundamentally used as a daily driver like it, it is out and about all the time and, and they're they're really nice and then um churn and chris churn for rwb australia here um he has a pink um i think it might be a carrera i think it might be a carrera um and then chris has a 993 it's um, automatic, but uh, uh, RWB car, and really? it's airbagged as well. I can't imagine there'd be too many Tiptronic RWB cars around the world. That'd be pretty unique. No, I don't think so. And I think um, he'd been looking for a car to RWB. And to be fair, it's you, pick, you pick up a 993 tip pretty reasonably priced to get a lot of uh, driving experience, I'd imagine. Yeah, and it's, it's very much, I think we kind of called it an urban street car because... He, he drives between Geelong and Melbourne regularly. So he is whacking kilometres on that thing. Yep. Um, and it's not really a um, a racer. So I, th- I think it has that urban feel about it. Yeah, a lovely car. And, just, and then with the airbag setup, of course, sure. you're not taking that on track and expecting a degree of handling from that as well. So yep. definitely a street car. Yeah, fantastic. And the um, I did a video about... 18 months ago, two years ago, on an RWB uh, Targa. Yeah. SC Targa, RWB yep. car here in Perth. And, Was that um, backdated? Pardon? Did they have the backdate kit on it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And the, uh, it was, uh, I had it for a whole day. Yeah. Like picked, I picked up like six in the morning, dropped it off six in the evening type thing, went out on a run with some guys and drove it in the country roads, all that sort of thing. And look, it's, uh, I love the look of them. They're and, an eye turner. Yeah, and as a um, driving experience, 
probably the wheels and everything are too big for non-track use. It's more of an aesthetic than a product of um, of uh, road driving. So as a result, I found the experience, like it was tiring. After the end of the day, you'd felt like you'd done 12 oh, yeah, yeah, Tyson, yeah. right? Yeah. But, you know, I've often feel like that after driving my 356 for six hours as well, you know, so yeah. it's, it's certainly not unique in that front. And um, But as a thrill, amazing motor car, like had the Wevo shifter in it and all that sort of stuff. It had a big VDM steering wheel custom thing. And yeah, it was just, a, it was a, it was a cracker of a car to drive and, you know, take the roof off, hear the exhaust and look out your side mirrors and the, you know, there's wheel arches to the horizon in each direction. You yeah. know, it's a cracker of a car to drive. Would I own one? If I did, it'd probably be like a later car, like a 993. Yeah. 9964 type conversion. Yeah. But when we're starting to get into that sort of stratosphere of value, well, that 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 that's a challenge for me. You know what I mean? That that for me is the um, the because the prices nine six fours and the prices of Porsches generally have kind of gone nuts now, um, particularly here in Australia. Yeah, if I if I had, for instance a 911 SC that I probably didn't pay very much for um, when nobody really kind of wanted them, then I would potentially think of RW being a car. Because if you had a $40,000 coupe sitting in the shed. Yeah, because I'm not cutting up a $100,000 car. And, and, um, Which and would, I, Look, I don't know how much an RWB build costs, but I can't imagine with the work you'd need to do to the car to get it to be RWB, to give the car its, you know, due, you'd have to be in, into it for another 150 over and above that, wouldn't you? No. So, uh, oh, okay. It do, I, I guess, one sec. Oh, one sec. What it, what it really, de- so what it really depends on is what you want to do. Of course. So um, there's a number of, prices with the kit so if you want to do a back date then you probably pay a little bit more because you've got to pay, pay for the long hood long bonnet and, yeah. and, all, and all of that and yeah, there's yeah. a little bit more work in it um there's a little bit more work in a in an sc because i think they have to weld in at the back of your engine bay strengthening for the suspension and the struts. Ah, okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Weight of the wheel. So mm-hmm. on an SC, there's a little bit more work, but that's not a lot of work. Yeah. I guess depending on if you want to change the color of the car, you know, yes. if you're going to paint the car, then that makes a whole lot of difference to the for problem. Sure. Mm-hmm. But the kit itself is relatively sensible. So, you know, you, you're probably looking Relative at... Relative being the optimum. Well, you know, you're you know. probably looking at five, six grand US for a set of wheels. Um, your suspension kit is going to be another, what, six grand on top of that. Comparable yeah. amounts of the wheels, yeah, I'd imagine, yeah. yeah. And then, really, then the kit on top of it, um, by the time you paid for the wheels and the suspension, isn't an astronomical amount on top. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, right. 50 grand probably in that kind of ballpark. Yeah, okay. Um, and then uh, there, there is that thought of, you know, I think an SC is an interesting car to do it on because historically they've been considered to be underpowered. You've got that, um, is it the normal five gearbox in it, which can be, it's a little bit notchy to be fair to it. And, yeah, look, and- uh, on, on the 915 gearboxes, Pretty much because there's so many of them and the cars are of the age they are, most that you get into, if they haven't been rebuilt, they need it now. Yeah. And, you know, and, and if you built, drive a rebuilt 915, I reckon they're pretty good, you know, but, you know, so it'd be no different to the gearbox in your 356 before. I was going to say that. Like me, you know, when you're driving your 356 and then you're getting a, a 915 gearbox, yeah. you're like, well, this is absolutely wonderful. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, uh, however, they, they can be a little bit funny. Sure. Um, but there is plenty that you can do to a 911 SC engine to get horsepower out of it, you know, and still keep that same gearbox. You know, there are guys here in Melbourne that have turbocharged and put um, launch control on them and they're getting 300 horsepower out of that. And you've got to remember that 
the reason why the 930 did, was four speed was because they were concerned about that power transmission through that 915 gearbox. Yeah, yeah. Where there are people here that have actually done it. And I appreciate, you know, the engineering in Porsche that they probably won't, oh, I don't know if I want to do that and warrant, warranty it, but you could then get a little bit more horsepower out of it. And I think if you did that with a with an RWB SC, I think the experience would be a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, sure. Look, on that gearbox oh, point, so, yeah. On that gearbox point you just brought up, 915 gearboxes haven't been made for 35 years now. Yeah. Right. So ultimately the crown wheels, the pinions, the synchros, the gears themselves are either that old or you've put new ones in. And the metal they make these things out of now is far superior to what they did. That oh, yeah. ago. So if you've, if you've got, like, if you if you'd rebuilt a 915 with a lot of new parts in it, it would, it wouldn't even flinch at a 300 horsepower output, I'd imagine, compared to the 915s back in the day, like you said, yeah. thirty turbo, that sort of thing. But look, I think, if I fun. did one, I'd, I'd take it out on track, you know. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I... I've taken all my Porsches out on track. You know, I'm not one for, oh, well, I didn't drive it somewhere. It'll be out in the rain and it'll be out on track and drive it as it should be. And and that's the way I believe it should be. I appreciate that there are cars that uh, probably uh, you want to be a little bit more careful of in the the price bracket and the number of kilometres on, but I don't buy a car which is um, not to be driven. And look, if the reality is, if you're in that price point of that finished project of that RWB car from the SC, you, there's not many cars you could buy that you need to be fussy about the cars you're putting on them. Let's face it, like let's say you did go out and buy an SC today and you did the RWB and you did everything to it, you turboed it, you did everything, right? You're only in it, well, I won't say only, but you're in it, say, 200 all up, okay? By the yeah. time you've done everything you want to it. There are, it's not like there's many Porsches you'd be fussy about being concerned about the case you're putting on a $200,000 Porsche. The- no, and I find here in Australia, like those, uh, uh, the cars here in Australia have got a lot of kilometres on. Like they've been driven, those cars. Big country too. Yeah, you see well over 100,000 kilometres on a car knocking on 200,000 kilometres. Easy, where you, you're picking cars out of the States and the Middle East and they are nowhere near that at yeah, all. Yeah, sure, sure. You know, so I think um, they are considered a, a driver's car and a driver's experience here and not as – their props weren't as cherished as they were in other countries during that period of time where they were unloved. Yeah, uh, yeah, fair enough, yeah. They've got a lot of kilometres on here. Uh, original, a yep. lot of really, really original cars and a lot of high-kilometre cars is, you know, if I compare – Europe, the States, and the Middle East to here—that is the—that's the massive difference. Originality in the high case. Yeah, sure. I do, I do think a lot of that has to do with one, the size of the country. Everywhere you go is a long way away. Yeah. Particularly if you live in WA. Yeah. Yep. And, and the other part of it is our weather. So the cars just last. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, so there's that part of it, and I actually think it might be a lot of look. This might not be the right way to word it, but Porsche's always sort of, to me, has been the working class sports car of the European sports car umbrella of cars, you know. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of people, for me growing up, I'm sure you and I have com- are of comparable age, there were people who were, they would have a 911 in the driveway, but they wouldn't have another car. That would be their car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like they've got their... Commodore, they drive to work during the week and then they only drive their 911 on the weekends. That 911 was their daily and their sports car, you know, their weekend. Yeah, and and, and I guess if you, you had your choice out of a 911 or a Ferrari, like, God, if you had a Tessarossa, like, what are you doing? A, a water pump every two years and that's the engine out. You're checking the timing belt. Where unless I need something catastrophic done on my 911, I might change the plugs, but then I'm doing oil oil filter and a bit of timing and tuning. So it's, like, a, it's, a, it's a big servicing difference. 
Oh, massive difference. Yeah. yeah like yeah. in the Ferraris, like they look great cars, but there's a difference between owning one and then being able to afford to drive one. Yeah. Oh, look. Oh, look, a lot of people talk about that with regards to late model air-cooled cars too. Yeah, in the podcast, I've spoken to owners of different series and models, 911s, and because I'm quite keen on getting a later model 911 at some point, if somewhere from a 3-litre SC through to a 993, depending where yeah, yeah, yeah. the budget fits at that time in my life, right? But they're saying, look, don't confuse buy price with ownership price because whereas as soon as you get into the water-cooled cars, they're set and forget at a whole different level again compared to the air-cooled cars with a... Oh, different though, isn't it? So, um, uh, look... The- on, wait, I just said water-cooled. For the sake of men, of um, someone not tipping over who probably doesn't uh-huh. listen to podcasts, I'm going to refer to it as liquid-cooled, okay? <laughs> so, I guess my 930, he, yeah. you know, he, bless her, um, when when she needs me, she's never let me down except for when the CDI went, which was probably my fault. Um, she's only let me down once. Um, and I've done some big drives in it, you know, sat in it for 23 hours. We've driven from Dubai to Oman. It's a hell of a trip in the middle of nowhere. I can imagine. Um, uh, but servicing and any repairs on it are astronomical. Compared to the SC, like it is totally different. Sure. So, you know, I had a fuel pump go on the 930. It's got two. So you're meant to replace both of them at the same time. Thank you. Uh, yep. uh, to replace um, the fuel pumps on the car was more than it cost me than for a whole new Volkswagen engine for the bread van. And that was and that was an engine bought, fitted, installed, and running. And I've and I got two fuel pumps for that. And I don't think I even got them fitted. And then then like the, the luckily SC- had Middle East labour prices. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the SC is not too bad. And comparing it to the comparing a nine eleven to the maintenance cost of a three five six, unless you've really got to do like the heads on a three five six, you pay. Four grand US for a new set of heads. I, I, I get that. Um, but that's a blip in the ocean when you, you're talking about 911 prices. Like, it's a whole different ball game. It is. But um, I spoke to someone recently who had to go through a 3.2 litre motor rebuild. Oh, and yeah. The pistons and cylinders, nothing else, just the pistons and cylinders were like double the price of the parts and the labour to do the re- full rebuild on. My like, and then I, I had a um, I had a V8 Panamera for a while. Okay. Um, and uh, good car, bad car. Uh, oh, it blew up. So um, okay. It had the it has the same bore scoring issues that the V8 has the same bore scoring issues that the 996 has. Is that the same V8 they use in the KN? Uh, we don't I'm know. Not sure, to be honest. Okay. Um, but one day it was fine, and then the next day it needed a new engine. And um, it had probably done 80,000 kilometres. Thankfully, it was still under warranty. You sure it was a Panamera and not a BMW we're talking about? Uh, definitely a Panamera. <laughs> and, and when that went belly up, um it, it, it was catastrophic yeah, like, okay. and that's like i'm not i never in a position to bag 996s i'm a big fan of 996s my dad has one never had any problems with it his ims is great like there are some horror horror stories which aren't really true yeah but yeah. at least with an ims you can kind of inspect it you know what's going on with ball scoring it's that that ticking time bomb for me which sure. having had an engine go cactus and need replacing and throwing yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm always, it, it, it's something that probably keep me awake at night. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, you get that second generation 997 mm-hmm. and then you don't really have that kind of problem. Um, but even so, like some of the, the, Oh, here we go. Here's his horror stories galore. Um, uh, <laughs> Friend had a hang on, I'm just gonna interrupt you. Listeners, we're not trying to put you off please. All right. (laughs) A friend had a I think it was the Gen 1 GT3 RS, and um he just completed his thousand kilometers. He's about 996 here. 
What, uh, no, uh, Gen 1, um, it would have been a 991. Ah, yeah, yeah. The one, one. That, yeah, the one that like putting glitter in its oil. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the piston decided that it just didn't want to be inside the engine. And it just, it, after a thousand kilometers, it just came out and just walked off. Um, got a replacement engine and the en- the next engine did the same thing. Oh, wow. So I haven't heard of anyone having two engine problems. Yeah, two engine problems. And Porsche took the car off him for that. Um, friends have had PDK boxes done, but they do a lot of racing and and driving with the cars. But you still expect, you know, I, I guess they absolutely, um, um, you know, that they're, they're brilliant cars, but no, look, no brands exempt. And let's face it, people are buying Porsches to wring the neck out of them as a general rule. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They'll do their thousand kilometer um, wearing in one day, they'll just yeah, yeah, take yeah. the day off and go for a drive and not do the oil change and then just smack it. Uh, yeah, they, these guys were pretty good. It went in for its oil change next day, it's on track, and you know, you, you do get you know, every every company, I guess, has a bit of a Friday afternoon car, but. Yeah, I bless it. You got your three, five, six in the background. They are a gem to maintain compared to a uh, um, uh, a nine eleven. In fact, I think uh, um, I had my well. I'd, I guess people might not know that I I actually don't run a three five six motor in my my three five six. Was it Type Four motor or something in there? Is uh, it Type One motor? Oh, okay, yep. Uh, but it's a two point four with a dry sump. So well, it's okay. Uh, to fill the horsepower mode or something, is it? Yeah, a little bit shy of that because uh, the stance on the car puts a little bit too much pressure on the gearbox. Yeah, okay. Uh, so um, that's another I, story. I sympathise with your problem there. Yeah, because I yeah. like the low look on my car too. You know. Well, I uh, we recently rep- had to replace the uh, ring and pinion in the car. Oof, yeah, that's not cheap. Those crown wheels aren't cheap. Yeah, they they're, uh, they're about four grand a pop. And then, um, of course, with all the plumbing and the wiring in the car. And once like, you've got once you got that out, let's face it, and you're doing that, you're not just doing that, are you? No, 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 no. There's a whole lot of other stuff to do, but that I think that was mainly to do with uh, too much shape. short shifter on the car, stance on the car, and I think I may have actually bought the um, the original um, ring and pinion from. Uh, I don't know if I got it from the Samba or somewhere second hand. Ah, uh, okay. It may have. Actually- no, it, it didn't come with the, the motor when you had it. No, uh, it didn't. No, the whole thing needed. Yeah, re- yeah, okay, so, sure, sure. Yeah. And um, probably nine years ago, um, it didn't feel like it was that easy to get some of those parts. Yep. There's so- actually there's actually a company up until only about three years ago because I, I did a gearbox rebuild in my car. Oh, not me personally, but I had the gearbox rebuilt in my car. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe four years ago, right? And I was yeah. doing research, and for a while there, there's a company actually here in Australia that made crown wheels. Yeah, okay. And matching pinions, right, here in, they were made in Australia for yeah. 356s, and it was just a family that gave up making them because that people just didn't buy them anymore, you know. So, But there are Australian-made options with a couple of ratio options as well. So if you wanted to track one, it was you get one, you know. Yeah, the, the only problem I have with mine is that um, – the the gears are still set up as the original three five six ratios. Yeah. Except the first gear is strengthened, so it's a thicker plate. Sure. Because obviously, with that horsepower, you drop the clutch and light the wheels up, which I've never done, but a less sensible driver would do. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, uh, the the plate would just shatter. So it has a strengthened. But what I would have preferred to do is probably make three a little bit longer and push four out a little bit because okay. at 100 kilometres an hour, it sits at about oh, 3,200 refs. And, um, oh, yeah, it, okay. I think you, my car must have different ratios because yeah, okay. I weigh, I sit on, I reckon, about two and a half. Oh, no, I'm four. well above that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there are other three, five, six zones. Like, I don't know if my ratios are not standard or if theirs aren't, but – I do know well, that's interesting. That is, yeah. Well, you could spec your ratios when you bought them. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure you've seen gearboxes for sale for three, five, six, and they say they've got a BBAB or a BAAB or whatever, or the species had a different ratio as well, and Carreras had different ratios. But anyway, the um, 
yeah, there was there's a local guy who races his three five six quite a bit, Michael, who at, he's at like at 110 k's an hour on the GPS on his phone. He's at like 4,200. Yeah. Some sort of, but that's just the way his gearbox came in the car that he bought at that time. You know what I mean? And I guess, um, I guess depending on what tracks he's racing, that, that probably suits. Yeah. That's what he said. Like he's, he's changed his fourth because he doesn't use fourth in in hardly any tracks here in WA. Yeah. He does it around the houses racing type thing. Yeah, unless you were hitting the straight, I'd imagine you weren't in. You'd be second or third all the time. Yeah, of course. And look, that's like my car driving in the street. I don't. I've never get into fourth in my car driving around Perth unless I'm on the freeway. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just a second, third, second, third all day long. You know. No, and and what it's nice on track, but and probably the same with his three, five, six if he's racing it, and when we've had um, mine out on track is that those higher revs really do help the engine keep cool as well. Yeah, sure, sure. So you can be out on a couple of track sessions and my my engine doesn't really get, like, it doesn't really even get up to temperature. Really? Yeah, so the, the only problem, uh, it probably, it, it, it get, keeps really cool because obviously we've got the, the ducks in the side window. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. All the way through, they go straight onto an oil oil cooler on the um, on the firewall, and then that's got a fan on it as well. And then, you know, a three five six motor, very similar to a Volkswagen motor, probably carries about two and a half liters worth of oil. Sure. Where um, mine carries eight. Yeah. Okay. So oil volume and then airflow and circulation. You know, I, I suspect here in Melbourne on a cold day, what I should be probably doing is covering... You need, you need some sort of bypass or some sort of thermostat policy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just so that it that it covers it up and it, and it gets to a, a reasonable temperature. Yeah. Oh, the, here in Perth, obviously, it's a whole different kettle of fish compared to Melbourne yeah. with the temperature. I've got a full-flow oil system and filter, which yeah. pulls about another litre into the equation. A bit yeah. more, which will make a massive difference. Yeah, and the I've never had overheating problems here in Perth, and I do drive the car in summer. You know, yeah. which you know, you know, being here in the past is can be challenging oh, sometimes. Forty degree day, you yeah. Know. And I've had my car out on days like that, and it hasn't been overly problematic. You know, and no problems in traffic because that's what you normally find is no look. Traffic and that's the issue. I don't. I haven't really been caught out in traffic in those sorts of temperatures. You know, I tend to. My, I'm, I rarely drive the car um, during the week. If yeah. I do, it's in the evenings. It's not in heavy traffic or anything like that. Yeah. But okay. the I have fit one of the Precision Matters dipsticks, which has the temperature. It's got a thermometer in the end of it, and it seems to be. I've tested it, so I do know it's accurate. And the um, I do find that that's. For me, I, that's my go-to on hot days. I just ha- open up the back, have a quick look, see what temperatures like the oil, and it measures the oil temperature in the sump as well, not using the yeah yeah oil yeah. temperature gauge, which you know use it post oil yeah. cooler. You know, so I've got an idea on where it sits, and it sits pretty good. It's I'm pretty happy with it, but you know, that's three five six ownership. You know, it's has its merits and its. Yeah, but same as a 911 or a like. If my 930 got stuck in traffic um, in Dubai, I, I've had to pull over before because you know you get the heat soak from the turbo, sure. and then you're in 40 degrees, 43 degrees heat, and then you're surrounded by trucks and other cars that are emitting heat on yes, you and sucking all the air from you. Yeah, 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 and you're soaking all that in. And I've had to park up before, just let it cool down a little bit, and then kind of wander off when the traffic is kind of cleared so yeah okay not not an uncommon problem when you're you know if you're in england or the states and you're not in 40 degrees then you're probably getting away with it all the time but um uh, in perth particularly not in melbourne um uh if it was 40 degrees in melbourne you wait 20 minutes and it will rain again yeah that's right Uh, uh, i have felt like i grew up over there so i'm very familiar with the weather and yeah. uh, when it gets hot there, they don't do 35. They do 25 and 45. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's nothing in the middle. There's nothing in the middle. You know what I mean? It's just chaos with how hot it gets. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, while we're talking about cars in general, what's on your wish list? Uh, like what's something that's realistic that you are sniffing around on sometime in the coming year, two years, three years? Probably, probably in the next year. I think there's a bit of – so if I take the garage to start off with, I want to get the the 52 Beetle out here to Melbourne, but that's a necessity. Original paint car on most of the panels. I want to get that out here. I want to get the Tempo – um restoration kind of started if it comes to um a new car to the garage considered a 912 um You're getting dear yeah but i've seen i've seen a friend in new south wales who has um he found a gem of a car and um uh, he's going to turn that into a bit of an outlaw. Um, and I've got a bit of a soft spot for a 912. So, it's a pretty cheap one that's been for sale here in Perth for a little while. Uh, yeah, but I, I still think they're pretty expensive here if you're trying to buy a left-hand drive car. I, I think they're too expensive. Like, but yeah. Look, and when I say that, it's not because of what they cost to fix. Don't get me wrong, right? No, no, no. Look, if, if you've got body problems... It doesn't matter if it's a 911 or a 912, it's the same cost of fixing it. It's all the same. Yeah. Right. It's all so, the same you know, if someone says they've done a full body restoration on a 912 and they want 100 grand for the car, there's probably 80 grand worth of labor and panel work done and paint done on the car, right? Let's face it, there's no ignoring yeah. that fact. And a left hand drive car, um, a 912, in my opinion, in Australia, is, is not worth 100 grand because that's what they cost the at the States. moment. If you want a half decent one, you know. I know, but I could go over to the States and I could probably spend 30, 35, get it shipped in and I'm at 40. And if I'm going to drive it, I've still got 60 grand up my pocket, which I could do something with. Yeah. Like I, I just, for that, I, I I personally would buy one from overseas. I, I agree. I agree 100% with you. I think your thought process is the same as mine on the 912. And yeah. look, I like them. In fact, I drove... It would have probably been maybe 12, 18 months ago now. I drove a 912E. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. the G-body yeah, yeah, yeah. car, right, with a Type 4 motor in it. And I've owned a 914 in the past, so I'm very familiar with what those motors yeah. are like. And essentially the same motor was in that 914 I had. And um, I actually thought it was a pretty good car. It was a much better balanced car on the road than a a G bodied nine early, you know, 2.7911. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I, I, I've never driven one. Aesthetically, I'm not overly chuffed on it. I, if I was to buy a 912 myself, and I do like them. Yeah, you'd want an earlier one, wouldn't you? I want a long hood. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, that that's probably um, on the list. Yep. However, I have contemplated modifying the 911 SC. And I think if I modify that, then I probably won't get a 912 because yep. then I won't really see the point in sure. that. Yep. Uh, I'd never convert them to right-hand drive. Uh, I'd always keep them left-hand drive, but I might modify it and do some work on it. Sure. I just kind of weighing up that. I think if I was going for something um, more modern, and, I, and this might be a bit of a left-field car, I've got a bit of a soft spot for a Cayman R. I reckon they're too dear. Well, they are expensive here. I do get that. And it, and um, there's a lot of um, uh, automatic ones, aren't they? But can you get one for, say, 120 ish Is that the kind of ballpark? The, the last one I saw for sale was that sort of money, right? And look, I've got to tell you, and certainly any listeners that own Cayman R's, they are beautiful cars, great driving cars. Everything about them is fantastic, right? But I could buy a pretty good manual Cayman S for, say, 60, tip 30 into it and make a better car than a Cayman R. Yeah. And, and I've um... – Don't get me wrong, it'll never be a Cayman R, right? And the Cayman R has its own kudos in the future. So if you buy a Cayman R and in 10 years' time you're going to sell it, that Cayman R will always yeah, still have its yeah. 
Yeah, so that, thing, that, up, that you know? has been my... Um, uh, that's probably been on the radar for a little while. I saw one in Dubai that um, a guy was racing and he looked like he was having a whale of a time in that. Uh, we were up at the Winton Raceway here in um, uh, in Victoria. It's probably, I don't know, in the 356, it was about three hours away. <laughs> but yeah, in yeah. the Cayman R, it's probably not that far. Yeah, 45 minute drive. Um, yeah, yeah. Got it. And there was, uh, there was a couple there. The lady was driving the Cayman R, and um, the husband, I think he had a, it might have been a 996 GT3 manual. Okay. Um, but they were squabbling over who was going to drive the Cayman R. Yeah, okay. Um, so they they were having a, a right good time in that and along yeah. a car along a similar theme. I'm actually picking up tomorrow evening for the whole weekend to do a video on for my own yeah. YouTube channel is a um, nine eight seven box the spider. Oh, see that was probably the other one that I was going to say. Similar money, right? You ran that one hundred to one ten mark. Look to me, good looking car. I like that. I you know, do like you know, that. It's the spider. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, a, I thought they were a little bit more. I thought they were more around the 200 the, mark. No, look, not for a 987, right? This one's this one's got every option. So it's yeah. not as light as the original box spider. It's got a PDK with the paddles behind the steering wheel, the sports steering wheel. It's got the paddles, yeah, the, 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 no, the noisy or exhaust option. Oh, I actually I'm went sold. <laughs> and this is uh, a triple black car, black wheels, black body, black interior. Um, keep an eye for the video. I'm, it'll be out in the next 10 yeah, days to two weeks. Right. Anyway. It's it's currently for sale, and the gentleman that owns it's got a couple of other Porsches, so he needs to thin down the garage. And his wife's been driving it, and she says it's too racy. And he reckons – I haven't driven it yet. I'll let you know in the coming few days, but he said it is, it's not your typical Boxster or it's, he says it's like driving a GT3. It's revs up fast. Yeah, it revs in Australia either. I know Australia can be a, a, a little bit of a strange market for um, numbers of cars. But like they can't 37 make, of them came in. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a lot at all. No, not it? the 987. The, the new one, everyone raves about the new one because it's a GT product as well. You know, it comes out of the, uh, you know, but that's also GT money. So, you know, a new, a new box of Spider, four-litre car, that's... I they're about 218, weren't they? No, the current one, the four-litre one that just came out. Yeah. The one, I'm, the one I'm doing is a 2012. Yeah, but the new one's about 218. So I, I thought, and then... Hang on, you're talking about 218,000? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, but plus... I'm sure you've gone on the configurator before. Yeah, so, uh, I, have, I have played with that. So what what's the what's the price of the other one? Uh 120. 110. Yeah. So you're paying oh, just over a double. Know, yeah, double. Double with options, let's face it. I was gonna say a hundred grand then, because like a hundred thousand sounds slightly better than double. Okay. <laughs> in my mind, that equated to that was a better Yeah, yeah. In your head, so, how you just find yourself? Is that what yeah, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. But um, both very good looking cars, in my opinion. Like one of them is a GT product, though, isn't it? That's the difference. And, you know, you'll like Jerry Seinfeld recently said on a podcast I listened to on the weekend, he's got both. And he's selling the old one because the old one wasn't a GT product. He said yeah. the old one sounds better, the old one drives better. But it wasn't signed off by Andy Pruninger. Yeah, I um, you know, and I know there can be a bit of a pain that you've got to manually put the roof up. But you know, if you've lived with an old air-cooled car or a three-five-six, everything's and manual. We like, we went we went through this process. If you had done it more than say three times in your life by putting the roof up or taking it down. If you told me it was a 40-second job, I'll go, he. Yeah. and, and like with he my, talked uh, me through it and it was a 30-second job. Yeah, with my uh, with my Targa, and admittedly it was in Dubai, but it's, you know, you, you'd still get rained on occasionally. Um, or if you want the air con to work, you know, for that yeah, yeah, poking yeah. breath of cool air that a yeah, yeah, Targa yeah. puts out, yeah. Rappy air con. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
uh, it came out the sea container. I took the roof off. And when it went back into a sea container to ship it back to Perth, the roof went back on again. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. it was just permanently under the bed. Yeah, and look, if you've got if you've got a if you bought a box the spider with the the you know performance sports exhaust the PSE option, tell me when would you have the roof up? Yeah, yeah. never would you? Yeah, yeah, and I know like you know I know perhaps on the wish list should be you know um, what is it the first gen of the nine eleven GTS, but they're an expensive car now. Um, but uh, I tend to swing towards that, you know, Cayman R, a Boxer Spider, an early uh, 912, or just spending the money and modifying one of the 911s that I've already got. Yeah, sure, sure. But, that, but strangely, none of the new 911s kind of fit into that um, ballpark. Yep. Uh, like the 997s are nice. I think they've got a nice rear end. I think uh, they're pretty good value at the moment too. Yep. The 996 yep. prices are closing hard on 997s. Like there's not a lot of difference in price between the two anymore. No. And I think I'm the 997s are a, car. a little um, manual Carrera um, in a 997 Gen 2, uh, probably a really, really nice car, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, but look, in Australia, that's a 120K car, right? 100 to 120, depending on the spec and condition you get the car in, obviously, right? When you look at what other cars you can buy, that falls into that box to spider price point. That falls into the Cayman R price point. That falls into the, yeah, you know, so you're looking at a lot of different cars here that are all similar price and compared to what you already have, whatever your circumstances are, it's pretty curious to how people decide where they want to put that money, you know, and what type of car suits them. Yeah, and I think you, you can still get away with, you know, if you don't live too far away from work and you want to shuttle five kilometres backwards and forwards to work every day, you can still do that in a Cayman R or a, um, a Gen 2 997. Not sure you want to be doing that in a Spider, but um, uh, there's still plenty of options out there. And, I, I, you know, everybody knows, like, the, the price of classic cars is just kind of, gone nuts recently and everybody's kind of did you see the results of that shannon's auction last week no i didn't i've i have actually tried to avoid car prices recently but it's uh, it's shocking some of the oh yeah yeah there's a a 928 s4 yeah good cars right lovely driving gt cars all that sort of thing right Yeah, yeah yeah They're not eighty-two thousand dollar cars, are they? How many kilometers did that have? And like, what condition? Okay, firstly, did it come straight out of the factory? If it had twenty-five kilometers on it, right? Is it still an eighty-two thousand dollar car? Oh, uh, look, I think some. Uh, I think some collectors might argue yes, uh, but I'm suspecting this didn't. Well, one did. Oh, really? Well, obviously, they've paid for it. You know. Yeah, it's it's that's a phenomenal amount of money. Because I've recently, I, I actually called the police because I thought it was fraud. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I recently sold my three five six A convertible. Ah, oh, yep. Uh, Australian delivered car, Lovely. Uh, not matching numbers. So it's a period correct engine. I think sure. uh, is a fifty eight car. The engine was a fifty seven. Um, Still a sixteen hundred though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not original paint. Um, it used to be a white and ivory car, and now it's silver, red, uh, black hard top roof. It doesn't have the soft top element to it. Sure. Um, I bought the car probably five years ago. N- never even sat in the car. Restored it, sold it. It was just a car which. Um, it didn't feel right that it was kind of me. Yeah, fair enough. I, I was. It was. It was far too pretty. In, in all honesty. Okay. Um, they are pretty cars. Yeah, uh, cars. You know. It, it was too pretty for me to go. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna really take this out and drive yeah, this. You didn't want to wring the neck out of this car, did you? Nah, 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 nah. And um, I. I sold that. I could have probably got more for it, but I was happy with the price that I got. 
And I'm just like, surely these prices have to stop going as mental as they are uh, at the moment. I don't see how sustainable. Yeah. I don't. Uh, but you, you just have to look at 911 prices. Mediocre 911s are getting top quality 911 uh, prices at the moment. You know, what has historically been. So, like, yeah, I don't know where I'm, I'm almost market, in the market to buy a car at the moment. And like, I was, I feel like it wasn't that long ago I was looking at 996 manuals, S's for 30, 35 grand. I can't find one for less than 70 to 80 grand anymore. Yeah. Like, but I don't want to pay 70 to 80 grand for a car that is going to have 25 year old car problems. Yeah. And I think the, the, the problem is that then, and they're not classics, you know. No, people then go, well, do I jump in now because otherwise I'm going to miss out? But that is a real concern. Fear of missing out, yeah. Or do you hang on a little bit? And let the ass fall out of the market. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know we shouldn't mention the dreaded C19 word, um, but I wonder if people, especially in Australia when everything was kind of locked down, when you know you can't go anywhere, yeah, um, perhaps your respective partner doesn't mind you spending money on a car when you're promising to take them on holiday and things like that. But then when the world opens up and they want to go on a plane instead um, off to somewhere and you've got this money sat in the shed, well, and you're not driving it, perhaps all of a sudden that gets offloaded and now it gets offloaded at a different price because the market yeah, gets sure. for them. Look, and the combination, also you got to remember money's cheap at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like really cheap. So if you want to go and loan the money to buy these things, if you're not using your own personal capital to do so, it's the cheapest it's ever been. So that's, you know, you can afford to pay yeah. over the odds. However. You can, you can, you know, because house prices are going nuts. And this isn't a channel for financial advice. Um, <laughs> from, two, from two Porsche tragics, yeah. <laughs> that own old busted up. <laughs> I reckon you take... Money out of your house, and you yeah. just spend as much money yeah. as you like on, on, a- on the bread van. That was a great investment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I I think that would be. Uh, I, I I think um, you should probably call your bank manager up and just get straight on with that. <laughs> um, but geez, at, at some point it kind of it has uh, to come off, doesn't it? Uh, it does. And then it's then it's if people are going to hang on to them and just ride the storm. Mm-hmm. Or some people will just let go of them and the prices all kind of drop a little bit. But I know it's a, it's a bit of a tough one, but especially, you know, as a three, five, six owner, the very few people of mine and your generation aspire to own a car that is traditionally aspirational for the generation before us. Yes. Okay. Those people are dropping off the perch right now. Yeah, and, okay. and you see it with the three, five, six club or yeah, yeah. Holden clubs and Ford clubs. Like but yeah, yeah, but look at the value of pre. Look at the value. You don't buy a Ford Model T, right? Yeah, the cheapest chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't buy an FJ Holden. They're cheap cars. Yeah, because the young guys don't want them. Yeah, or middle-aged men who are now coming to the point of financial freedom where they can afford to buy their aspirational car that they wanted when they were teens. That's now a VN Commodore, yeah, or a VL Commodore. It's not a FJ Holden or an EH Holden anymore. So the car, the values of those cars have plateaued significantly just because demand for the product has significantly dropped. And then a Malou sells for a million dollars. Yeah, thank you, FIFOs. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a Perth comment through and through. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've 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 talked a lot about cars in general tonight, and I think we've we've gone on for a while here. So, but let's wind it up. The um, it's been great talking to you, anyway, Scott. Tonight, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I hope you have as well. And yeah, 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 been great. Yeah, and I've I've been meaning to have a chat with you for some time. You know, just because we're back and forth a lot, and this podcasting's actually been a great opportunity for me to talk to people I have been in touch with over social media over the years. You know, and it's been fantastic that you know we've obviously got a common interest you know you know tragically overvalued underpowered sports cars (laughs) and (laughs) and um 
you being in the Melbourne Porsche scene, which I'm quite jealous of because the amount of video content you're able to access on any given day is pretty significant. Compared it's a busy to- little city, Perth. to be fair. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is a difference. Yeah, for sure. But I'm still very grateful for the lifestyle I get to enjoy here. And yeah. um, anyway, so I'll share your channel details and everything below in the video and on the podcast details. And hopefully we'll um, get some great feedback from you and I just crapping on about Porsches. Yeah, and hopefully someone's got a cheap Cayman R or a Spider that they can throw our way. Yeah, look, or, like I said, or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> GoFundMe page um, if we haven't withdrawn equity from our house already. Yeah, yeah, for, 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 an, indiv- for an Indonesian-made bread van, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's a conversation for another day, that is. Hey, and let's have it because I want to talk to you about the replica early V-dub slash Porsche cars, you know, the Liege best, or the Liege Rome Liege cars they built. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd love yeah. to talk to you about your experience with that company, but yeah, so, let's, do, let's do another podcast on it at some point. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah we'll just uh, uh, annoy people with our opinions. That's <laughs> all we're here for, and that's all the only reason they listen. <laughs> so thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast this evening and um, any comments, advice, Facts are very welcome to this from what we've spoken about. Thanks very much for your time tonight, Scott. All right. See you later. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks.